Well, happy Monday morning to you, Cornerstone family. It's Monday, March the 8th, and we are well into our Read by Easter journey together. I hope you had a great weekend. I enjoyed participating in services online yesterday, and I thought Adam did a great job, and our team did a great job, and I look forward to being back with you next Sunday. We're going to start a series in Jonah, and I'm just looking forward to that. Well, today I want to jump over to our reading plan, and those of you that are reading the Gospels, uh, you read John 1 and 2 today, and it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture in John 1, and I didn't want to miss the opportunity to talk about it. So today I want to read to you just some verses from John 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to read verse 14 and verse 18, uh, reading from the New Living Translation, which is going to be hard for me because I grew up with this on the King James and memorized it in the King James, but I want to read the New Living Translation because it's one of the translations we're encouraging you uh, to read in this Read by Easter campaign. John says this, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And then verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. It's a powerful passage of Scripture that introduces us to John's Gospel. And you probably know that John's Gospel sort of sets apart uh, from the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic Gospels. They essentially follow the same storyline. They sometimes tell different stories, but there's a lot of overlap between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's gospel stands as completely unique. And John chapter one is sort of the gateway to that gospel, that story. So imagine it like this. Maybe you've been out in Hollywood on a Hollywood stars tour looking at the homes of the stars, or maybe you've been out into the countryside down in Kentucky where there are big horse farms with giant gates at the driveway, or maybe you've been to England or Scotland and driven through the countryside and seen large stone gates that lead to a driveway that lead to a giant house or mansion. Think about John chapter 1 as that gateway. It's not really the story itself. It's the gateway that points us to the story. And even in this gateway, we realize that John's gospel is going to be different. It's much more eloquent, if you will. He paints this word picture that in the beginning, the word, the logos is that Greek word, word. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And in verse one, John makes this argument that we'll see throughout the gospel. He says, and the word was God. So he tells us in verse one that Jesus is God. And then in verse 18, he tells us again, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God. So he tells us in verse one, and then he tells us in verse 18, he kind of brackets this opening 
gateway to this gospel. He brackets them by telling us very clearly the word is God. Jesus is God. And then right smack dab in the middle in verse 14, there's this beautiful verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament that says, so the word became human. The King James says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the New Living Translation says the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so John opens this gateway, this, this big sign that says, this these big pillars that says, this is where my gospel story is going to go. And in that pillar, one pillar on the right is verse 1. He says, Jesus was God. In verse 18, the other pillar on the the left, he says, Jesus is God. And then right in the middle is the driveway, the path to the house. And it says, Jesus became human and dwelled among us. And so it's this beautiful introduction, this eloquent introduction. And even in the Greek, I wish you could you could hear it in the Greek. It flows and it is so beautifully and almost theatrically written. And John, right from the beginning, says this gospel is going to be different from any other gospel. And many of you will remember a few years ago, we preached a series in John's gospel. And we talked about the various signs. There are seven signs that John points us to. And those signs are pointing to something. They're pointing to a, a new creation. And they they really echo back to those seven days of the creation and the Genesis story, and that God is inaugurating something new in this new creation, in this thing that Jesus is doing. And so it's not an accident that John starts out his gospel, much like the book of Genesis starts out in the beginning. Uh, But he tells us a different story. It's not a creation story. It's a new creation story. It is Jesus making all things new. And so those of you that are reading John's gospel, look out for those signs, look out for those signposts as you're reading it. And I encourage you that as we walk this journey together toward Easter, remember that the whole story culminates at Easter. The whole story culminates when the word made flesh, when God himself crucifies himself for our sins. God sends his son to die for us. You're going to read John 3.16 tomorrow uh, for God's so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so I just want to encourage you with that on this Monday, that Jesus, God's only son, who was God himself, he came and he became human and he lived among us. He made his home among us. Why? Why would God become human? Why would God become human? Billy Graham used to tell a story of walking down a path and seeing some ants and the ants were in the middle of the pathway and he was watching all these ants get stepped on and he knew that all those ants were going to die and he was trying to kind of shush them along and get them off of the sidewalk. And finally, in frustration, he said to himself, I wish I could become an ant for just a minute so I could tell them all to get off this sidewalk or they're going to die. And he realized in that moment, that's exactly what God did. God was looking down at us, his creation, who had gotten so far off course, who had gotten so far from what he designed us to be. And he's looking down and he's saying, I wish they could understand that the what they're doing, the way that they're living is destining them for destruction. And he realized the same thing Billy Graham realized about the ants, that the only way to communicate that was for him to become a lowly human, for him to become flesh, a human being, and so he could show us the way. And so that's the dramatic way that John's gospel begins. And I hope that that's a good beginning to your Monday, because to me, boy, it really means something that Jesus came and became human. 
And I love verse five. It says, the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Did you know that? Did you know that? That if you open up a closet and let any light in, it's no longer dark. That darkness can never overcome light. That a little bit of light overcomes darkness. Years ago, I took the boys uh, down to the caves uh, just west of uh, just west of Bedford, and there at Blue Springs Caverns, we went on a boat and we went back into the the creek or the river or whatever it is that goes back into the cavern, and we went I think a mile back into there, and the the guide turned off all the lights, and man, it was dark. And then we saw a light in the distance. And he said, you want to guess how far away that light is? It was just a little bitty pin light, flashlight. And I thought, well, it must be 100 yards or 200 yards. And he said, no, that light is the next boat guide, and he's a mile away. Why? Why can you see a little bitty flashlight from a mile away? Because the darkness can never extinguish the light. And if we can be light, if we will be light in this world, in our community, in our church, if we will be light in our families and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our workplaces, the darkness can never extinguish the light. And so that's my encouragement to you this Monday. Just be a light. Be a light. Quit arguing with the darkness. The light doesn't argue with the dark. The light just overcomes it. And so quit arguing with the darkness and just be a light and know that the light can never be extinguished by the darkness. The, the King James says the darkness can never overcome it. And so if you're a light, the darkness will never overcome you. Let me pray for you this Monday. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came and you showed us the path. You, you were and are a light to us. And we become reflections of that light as the image of God in us is reflected to the world around us. And so, Jesus, thank you that, that light can never be overcome by darkness. And so today I pray for my church family. I pray that they would be a light in a dark place, in their schools, in their workplaces, in their homes, that they would be a light in a dark place. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you became flesh, that you became human and made your home with us so that we could find our way. And thank you, Jesus, for John, who wrote this beautiful gospel to, to paint this picture of the new creation for us. God, I pray your blessing upon my church family today. I pray that you'd be with them, that you'd encourage them, that you would give them light and hope and strength. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow.